My guest today is Ryan Gilliam, and he is returning to Quality Control after only a week off to talk about Destiny 2 Forsaken. My name is Dave Tack, and you are listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Ryan, welcome back to Quality Control. Hi, Dave. Thank you. It's uh, It feels like 100 years since I talked to you last. I feel like it's been two weeks. Yeah, well, it has been two weeks. I'm just, you know, I'm a little, I'm older, I'm wiser, I'm more hours uh-huh. into Destiny 2 Forsaken. Yeah, well, only, let's see, the game's been out since Tuesday. Yeah. And you've got mm, 40 or so hours in? Yeah, it's just, it's Friday mm-hmm. when we're talking, the Friday that the expansion came out. And yeah, I would say about a little bit less than 40 hours. Between between thirty, at least 35. So you played a bit. A bit, yeah, I played a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that's why I brought you here as the resident Destiny 2 expert Good. at Polygon. Uh, I want to know what you think, what you like, what you don't like. And maybe we can start broadly, as I tend to like to do, uh, talking about sort of your history with uh, Destiny 2 and really get into the meat of like what what your hopes and dreams and the promises have been for Forsaken. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So I've been um, a, I've been a Destiny fan like as as the game for for years. I didn't jump in on vanilla because the beta didn't impress me as I think most people, a lot of people had that experience. Mm-hmm. So I missed out on vanilla Destiny one, but I came in right after Crota's end uh, and kind of just fell in love with it despite all the problems. And, and followed it through Taken King and Rise of Iron and all that stuff. And so then when Destiny 2 came out, uh, I was doing a lot of work here and writing guides and things like that. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I as far as, like, the, the later game stuff, I've always been I- interrating. And with Destiny 2, I kind of found a more uh, consistent raid crew. And we... Um, I'm I'm fairly certain I, I I don't believe it can be substantiated, but I'm fairly certain that uh, good then uh, yeah the absolutely that our, our raid crew was in the first 100 people to clear or 100 group 100 groups to clear uh, Leviathan week one mm-hmm. and as as far as I know uh, I'm I'm very uh, proud that uh, as as a, as a publication Polygon had uh, one of the first guides that used our own gameplay mm-hmm. as for our. Uh, so I was very excited about that. So like I, I'm, I've done the raid dozens and dozens of times. Brought lots of people from work through it um, over the past year, and just enjoy bringing people. And then I've I've played all the the raid layers and the prestige raid layers and all the content coming up through the dark times of Osiris, and then the kind of better times of Warmind, and then leading up to Forsaken. This has been, you know, on a personal note, one of my most, if not my most, anticipated game release of this year and it's not even a new damn game so um i'm i'm the resident uh destiny fan here uh, as you said before and i i have the the far too many hundreds of hours in in destiny one and two to prove it so i feel like you know having played destiny games having followed it this is certainly not my first podcast about a destiny game Mm -hmm. Um, th- th- there's sort of a familiar pattern that that's been around for the last few years, which is like game comes out. It's essentially developed in public by which I mean the developer th- gets a lot of feedback about what people who play it like and don't like. And then they make a bunch of changes 
And ideally, uh, well, I, I would say at least for the first Destiny, it seems to, they, they seem to have got, they got to a point where everybody was like, okay, yeah, this is the game. And then Destiny 2 was a sort of a rethink of, we'll take all of that good stuff and sort of change it around and we have some new ideas. And the way that I sort of read reaction to Destiny 2 is that, like, I think everybody was into it at first, to a close approximation, right? Mm-hmm. And and then there got, there became uh, a point where there wasn't a ton to do after you had done stuff, but that wasn't necessarily a problem because there was always a roadmap for expansions and things like that. And just like Destiny 1, Destiny 2 um, kind of fumbled through an expansion or two or did some okay stuff. And now that we're sort of in the end of the expansion-ish territory, uh, we're, like you said uh, when we were talking before we started recording sort of year two stuff, this seems poised, Forsaken seems poised to be the the expansion where they kind of got it all together and figured out. Or at least that's the hope. I guess the question is after you know, 35, 40 hours, does it seem like that's something they're, they've been able to do? Uh, I mean, yes, <laughs> is like is like the short mm-hmm. is the shortest uh, answer for that. But like, yeah, if your answer is yes, then the question is like how and why. What did they do? What did they figure out? So Forsaken was always poised to be this Destiny Two's Taken King, um, which was the first expansion yeah. for Destiny One that kind of like you said brought the game into yep um, one that was actually playable and that people didn't have to. F- always say yeah i'm still playing destiny right it's the it was the like oh god they did it they figured it out exactly um and like forsaken's always been poised to be that but in a lot of ways destiny 2 started out as a better game and in a lot of ways started out as the worst game than the first destiny and so forsaken has so far just from like a really high up point attempted to marry the things that really worked in destiny 1 and that kept people playing with the general improvements that they made in Destiny 2 to make a game that not only functions and is not only the game that everyone wanted Destiny 2 to be a year ago, but surpasses that and in a lot of ways so far huh. surpasses what Destiny has ever been. And that's that's done in, in a couple ways that I, we'll talk about. Yeah, so you were saying again right before we hit record... That like some of the things that you're most excited about are also the least sexy things about the expansion, right? Because you don't even have to own Forsaken to get some of the benefits of of Destiny Two at this point, right? It's that year two in general stuff. Oh yeah, I mean the a lot of the big changes that are coming in here, the things that I'm most excited about as like as a as a Destiny Two player that that wants to collect everything, and as a as Destiny Two player that was playing Warmind, you know last month trying to clear up everything still yeah. making sure logging in every week um there are absolutely the least sexy things out there because like you have like the weapon system change that's actually pretty exciting that that is that is one thing that you can look at and be like wow this is huge so tell me about that yeah so you can now um basically they kind of went back to a destiny one adjacent system um where you can have more access to your shotgun, your sniper, your your fusion rifle, these powerful weapons. But now instead of just having it in that those be in your second slot, uh, they can now be in your your first slot and and your second slot. And 
all sorts of things. And you can have, you know, hand cannons that do energy damage. And so basically the way that it works now is you can, there are shotguns and snipers and fusion rifles, not fusion rifles, that can go into the, into the kinetic slot and use special, that special green ammo. And there are ones that also go into the energy slot, just like there are submachine guns and hand cannons and normal guns that go in both slots as well. And so all those normal guns all use primary ammo and all the special, all the shotguns, snipers, fusion rifles all use the, the special ammo. So why do you like that better? I mean, I know that sounds like the most basic question I could possibly ask, but like, what is it about that where you're like, yes, right. this is what I wanted? Um, it, le- it lets, first of all, it gets those guns out of the power slot. Uh, which is a really big problem in Destiny 2, because if you, like me, like rocket launchers, then it's like, well, mm-hmm. I'm never going to be able... And like in Destiny 1, I love to use hand cannons, shotgun, rocket launcher. Like that is, I play close, I play Titan, I like to get get up on things. And so mm-hmm. my my rocket launcher is my go-to far away damage weapon. And that's what that's how I like to play Destiny. And I couldn't do that in Destiny 2, because shotguns and rockets shared the same slot. Right, that was part of that rethink that I yeah. referenced earlier. Exactly, right? yeah. So they, they wanted to make it so like PvP was slower, which was also a big problem. And so they wanted to take away these guns that everyone had access to that could do one-shot kills and stuff like that. So no more snipers, no more all that. Um, but basically what it does is it lets you play with these these more powerful guns more frequently, which recreates kind of the power fantasy that Destiny 1 had. Um, it was all about going in and being like that not to overuse destiny Two forsaken designer scott taylor's god call people god thing too much um but it lets lets you have like this this almost godlike power where you and your group of three friends or six friends or whatever rolling in and just stomping this giant group of enemies and you really only when you go up against something that's difficult it's because there are so many of them or because it's just as powerful as you are Destiny one or Destiny two vanilla took away a lot of that power, which worked thematically at the beginning of the campaign, but doesn't work when you're going into strikes on hour two hundred, and it's like I I just don't you know I have this energy scout rifle and it's just doing nothing uh, for me yeah uh, and it's just not as exciting. You don't have that power, and a lot of that a lot of that that power also translates from. Now the ability rate is increased, uh, the recharge rate for that. So you're using your abilities more frequently. You have more ways to alter that so you can use powerful exotics for your armor and things to make to make your character powerful. So you feel like, man, I'm throwing grenades all the time if that's what I want to do. Or I'm punching stuff all the time and throwing hammers and stuff if that's what I want to do. Um, and so there, there's more player choice through the perks, like the perk combinations on the armor and the more interesting exotic choices, but also in just the the general loadout choices as well, because you're given the opportunity to use what you want to do, what makes you feel powerful, um, and build more versatile loadouts. Because if you want to go back to how it was in Vanilla Destiny 1, or Destiny 2, excuse me, you can use that hand cannon scout rifle if you want to. It just, but now it, pull, it pulls from the same primary ammo counter, which is fine because primary ammo is abundant. It's everywhere. You're not going to run out. But you can also, if you want to be weird, run a shotgun, a sniper, and a rocket launcher. And you'll run out of ammo very quickly because your sniper and shotgun will be pulling from the same pool. But you yeah. can do that. It is something you can do, and some players are enjoying it. And and that's I think is is like a big part of that specific system is it lets you it lets you have choice and it lets you feel 
powerful. It's weird at the start because you're you're dealing with all these old weapons and you're like, I don't I don't I can't have the same loadout that I used to be able to without feeling like I'm wasting all of my ener- special ammo that I'm picking up. But as the new uh, weapons in Forsaken have kind of filtered in, you're able to really build some interesting and fun and unique loadouts where if you find an, an energy SMG that you really like, it's like, okay, well, now I need to go find a, a kinetic shotgun that's my jam or a kinetic sniper or something like that um, so that you have something that really works for you. And it changes the way that you think because all of a sudden now, if you have a kinetic sniper, you're not going to be able to take down that enemy shield from far away, but maybe you're going to be able to do a little bit more damage to bosses. There, There's just yep. a lot more choice in the way that you build it. And it creates, it lets players be powerful in all the different ways that they want. There's not, it doesn't seem like we're going to get the same. There's a de facto loadout for everybody. Right. Destiny 2 vanilla was opinionated about this right like there were just ways that things worked and you had to sort of fit into the 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 rethink of the weapon systems as an example right and this seems like a way to just open it up to let players get creative about how they want to do it like some of the stuff's not going to make sense i am like excited to see the wild things that people string together that do make sense in a way that like most people wouldn't think of. But that I think is, is sort of the basis of forsaken, right? Where it's like, well, you, you use the word power a lot when you were talking about just how you feel in the game. Mm-hmm. And all of these changes seem to me, you know, they read to me like you're like they're em- empowering players to be whatever they want to be. Even if it's strange. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind it, it really is, it feels like a scenario and, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say what Bungie was doing, but something they have told us repeatedly is that the game lacked depth last year um, in a lot of different ways. And I think specifically at the beginning of Destiny 2, you saw a lot of feedback from the community saying, no, I, I don't want to lose my shotgun, I don't want to lose my sniper. And then Bungie going, okay, well one of the big things that players complained about in destiny one was the, the very fast time to kill, like in, in the crucible specifically in the multiplayer of players being able to bring in those one shot weapons. And I think they, I think they stepped too far, too far back in order to make things balanced hmm. and, and stepped away from the fun part of what, like what makes destiny a very unique and interesting shooter in, in a landscape where there are, hundreds of shooters out there that try to do something very very similar destiny's i kind of always stood out as something just a bit different and part of that's because of the loot system and the raids and the end game but also a lot of it's because of of the loadout accessibility and that was gone in in vanilla and they've really brought it back to be even more interesting than it was and like you said it, it is it is really them saying okay well we we removed something that hurt the game in in vanilla destiny 2 so instead of just giving you the system that you had in destiny 1 we're going to open it up Mm -hmm. to be something completely different and completely weird so you can do whatever you want with it and really that like that i think like the two buzzwords about this whole system and about destiny 2 forsaken in general is power and choice yeah and it it feels like that that promise is really been fulfilled but there are so many other far less 
exciting changes that are absolutely <laughs> amazing and healthy. You want to talk about another thing that got a rethink, like the general progression system changes, for example? The progression system change is easily, in my opinion, the thing that I'm most excited about in Forsaken and the thing that I've been engaging with for the past, I would say, 25 hours of, of gameplay. Because um, once you finish the campaign and hit level 50, which is the new base level cap, you... Uh, in, in Destiny 2 Vanilla, you're given all these these milestones and these things where it's like, okay, well, every week I can go do the Flashpoint or I can go do a couple Crucible matches and then I'm run, I've run out of stuff to do. Uh, and now I can go do it on another character. I can go do something like that. Uh, that is completely gone in, in Forsaken and instead is replaced by actually not even in Forsaken because I believe some of that is almost all of that is free for everybody. So it's gone in year two, oh. I will say. Obviously, the content that some people that you'll be asked to play can is not different is is different. So, if for instance, one of the new locations is the Flashpoint, that's powerful gear that non Forsaken owners can't use. But there's so much other stuff that it's it kind of evens out. But the way the system works is that now it's a challenges based system. So a lot of the stuff that would give you powerful gear in the past still does. So completing five crucible matches will still give you a powerful piece of gear and that's all on on a weekly reset but there's also these bounties that'll give you a powerful piece of gear every week where you go hunt down somebody in a uh, a wanted prisoner in somewhere in the world and you go hunt down a bunch of prisoners for other smaller pieces of gear you go complete a certain amount of bounties for one of the the npcs in the dreaming city and she gives you something there are challenges all over the dreaming city that can give you these these powerful pieces of gear uh and there are so many more options to get powerful gear as you go along but what is really excellent about it is that every day there is a daily mission that is extremely easy to complete completable by anybody and resets at one eastern every day and is on a mm-hmm. and is available for four days uh, so they they mentioned this in the this week at Bungie and they clarified it. So their first reset hasn't happened, but for instance Tuesday, there was a daily milestone that was or a daily challenge that said play one strike in this in this playlist and you'll get a you will get a upgrade to your gear, guaranteed. And so you go and you play that one strike and you get an upgrade to your gear. And so that mission will stay there for four days and then on Saturday. Uh, tomorrow as of this recording players will be able to if they haven't completed that that daily it'll stay there for them it won't stack but it'll stay there but players like me who have completed it will get another strike daily and on wednesday it was play a gambit match and yesterday it was play a crucible match and today it's do a heroic or do a a heroic adventure on this flashpoint location and those things are just going to rotate so no matter what no matter i i've pretty much completed all the things that I can on my Titan this week, meaning that I'm going to start jumping around to my other characters to get prepared for the raid. But unlike destiny one, where I completed everything I could on my single character and on all my characters in a week and got so bored that I bought the game on Xbox and started over again, (laughs) I can now log in to do something simple every day on that, on my Titan, on the character I care about the most to bring my power level up every single day doing something a little bit different. And because the power climb isn't, Hey, here's the the soft cap of you're not getting gear anymore from random from public events or from whatever is it 500 and the top marks 600. 
is is the cap. There's such a wider climb that you have so much to do. Uh, and that it just seems like the idea of doing everything on three characters is almost impossible. Um, and giving players those options to push forward to do unique things that they want to do, do the challenges they want to do, and then also do these daily challenges gives players the opportunity to, to tailor stuff. If they don't want, if you don't want to play crucible, you don't necessarily, and you want to get raid ready. You don't necessarily have to go play those five matches that you had to last time to really optimize your gameplay. Like you don't, you don't technically have to do that. If you want to go really hard, you should, but you don't have to uh, in the same way. And beyond that, beyond all those challenges, beyond the daily, the missions, there is the the collection tab, which allows players to go in and look at all the different items in the game. And, and it has, for some of them, it'll say, hey, this is a secret item, so we're not going to tell you what it is. But for lots of them, it'll say, hey, this is uh, an item where you can go out in the world and find it. Here's the source. Go complete Gambit matches. Go rank up in Gambit, which Gambit's definitely something I want to talk about um, in a minute. But all those gear pieces, those weapons, those world drops, you can go and find out where to get them. So even after, you know, someone like me who plays destiny the way I do, I'm going to be hitting that 600 cap within, you know, before, before the black armory expansion comes out in December, I'm certain. And probably soon, much sooner than that. Mm-hmm. So these powerful drops aren't going to be as useful for me, but I have things like the collection to keep me occupied. The new triumph section, which is basically in-game achievements that ranks up a score that even once I'm done with everything and I've collected it all, I can go and say, okay, well, I'm going to replay the raid this time with my friends, but instead of doing it like we normally do, we're all going to be Titans. And that way we'll all get this triumph together uh, where we get this achievement because we all played through as, tri- as, as Titans or we all played through as Hunters. That's something unique that keeps it going. And then there are also these these specific, extremely grindy, lengthy missions like from Destiny 1 to get crucible weapons and gambit weapons that are difficult and, and rare and take a lot of time. And so you, in Destiny 1, when you saw a player kill you with, with the Thorn hand cannon, which is a real pain in the crucible, you would, it, it had that, oh, where'd they get that moment? that Bungie promised years and years and years ago when they were first talking about destiny and nothing was like that in, in destiny two. Um, right. Until recently with the Redrick's claim, we're back in war and now, and now with Luna's howl and the Redrick's broadsword and some of the gambit weapons we don't even know about yet. Um, but players who want to spend that time, even if it's not the most fun way to spend your time in destiny grinding for those things that maybe, Maybe you don't like Crucible, but you still want those weapons just because you want to have them because you're a collector. It's still exciting to have it, and it's exciting to go through, and it gives you something something to do if you're someone who wants to play Destiny like like an MMO, like it's something that, that you want to keep going with all the time, and, and you don't want to stop. Yeah. Um, that really is the trick. Yeah. We happened to record your first episode a couple of weeks ago about an MMO. Yes. And I think the same core principle applies to Destiny, which is like it's a game that's supposed to just live and offer people incentives that are hopefully not annoying so that they go in and play the game that they want to play. And it sounds like Forsaken does a lot of that, including with uh, Gambit, right? Gambit is... Man, man, I was so skeptical about Gambit. Okay, so for 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 people who don't know what Gambit is, before we get into it, it's a it's a PvP VE 
mode, um, which is a real term. So, player versus player, player versus environment. Which so basically what it means is that ninety percent of the match is is PVE, which is player versus environment. The usual running around, punching cabal, hive, taking, scorn, all that jazz uh, that you usually see in in Destiny. Um, and basically what happens is that eight players, four on each team, are thrown into identical arenas and are asked to defeat enemies. And these enemies drop these this currency on the ground called moats. And at the center of the arena, there's a bank where players can take these moats and, and bank them. And the, the goal is to ter- kill enough enemies and bank the moats where you you bank 75 moats and then you spawn a big old boss that your team has to kill. And the first team to kill their boss wins. But the PvP, player versus player, section comes in in the ways that you can mess with your opponents. So when you turn in, you can only hold 15 moats at once. And when you die, you lose all the moats you hold. You're holding. So you have to bank them if you want if you want them to actually count. Yeah. And so banking five moats will send a will send actually a small taken enemy over to the enemy arena and it'll lock down their bank. So they can't put in any moats until they defeat that, that blocker and putting in 10 moats will send a more powerful enemy and 15 will send a big ogre that, that shoots lasers and, and pushes people away from, from the bank. And they have to clear all those enemies out before they can put in any more uh, moats. And then at certain points in the maps, an invasion portal becomes active. And so your, you can, or someone from your team can jump into that portal and it'll take you for 30 seconds over to the enemy's arena and you can kill them and attack them. And you're actually allied with the scorn or the, or the taken or whatever. They don't attack you. And, and so you become an enemy in their arena and you're, you're powerful and you have an overshield and, and you can use your powerful ammo or your, your super to take them down. And so you can find that person who's spent, you know, the past couple minutes looking for these 15 moats and they're about to bank it and, and then all of a sudden your team throws a, a taken ogre over there and they're like, oh, now I got to get rid of this. And then you invade and kill them and ruin their day and make them cry and quit. <laughs> and it's kind of, it's just this, this completely chaotic, but also perfectly strategic mode that Bungie has executed in a way that is so impressive to me. I had absolutely no expectation coming into Gambit. And it was something that is as, as, as a mostly PVE player, I was kind of bummed about the PvP aspect of it. And when I played it at at a, at a event, a press event at Bungie a week before Forsaken came out, I played a bunch of Forsaken stuff and it was the thing that I left like walking away from after only two matches going, I need I need to play more of that with my friends. <laughs> I need to get my friends together and evangelize that I was so wrong about Gambit and that it's the most fun that I've had with Destiny in a long time and it in I have played a remarkable amount of Gambit over the past several days, even when it hasn't been the most optimal thing for me to do with my character. It's it's fun to jump in by myself. It's fun. To, it's more fun to jump in with a group of friends. But it's it's just it has such a strategy to it. And when we did uh, some some guides for the preview weekend, and I got the opportunity to sit down to the, uh, and talk to Lars Backen and and Robbie Stevens as well. And they compared it to League of Legends, and I thought that was very silly uh, at the time. And I, I kind of scoffed to myself as as a, as a league player myself, meaning that of course I'm an elitist and a jerk. That I thought that was um, 
kind of silly the idea that that anything in destiny could ever have that level of strategy to it and then i played it and i instantly understood what they meant instantly it took less than a game because you go through and that moment when you deposit 15 motes or you go over to invade the enemy team and you kill all four of them and you watch them lose 30 motes that they were gonna they were gonna go ahead of your team and, and deposit and get their primeval out it feels it gives you that same feeling of I just did, I outplayed everybody. I did something incredible and I made, I set my team up for success in the same way that something very strategic like League like league offers. In the same way that if you are running around holding too many motes like an idiot and die and you lose 15 motes for no reason, it's it, you feel the same way, the same shame and like you let your team down that you do in League. And so, so that might be not, not, that might not be for everybody, but for me, for the people that I play with, it's it's such an interesting way to engage with Destiny and with the Destiny sandbox that it it feels absolutely incredible and it's something that I can't wait to play more of when I have to worry less about ranking up for the raid. When I can just sit down and play Gambit for an entire week, like I'm looking forward to that. And as as someone who doesn't enjoy the competitive multiplayer in Destiny, Although I must say that it's much better recently, uh, in, in Forsaken it's it's much improved. Gambit is is the thing that I I am probably the most excited about, uh, and that is something that is Forsaken only. That is yeah, that like that is um for me worth the price of admission of the expansion. It's just. I felt that way on during the free trial when they only had one thing available for people to play. And now that it's there's more variety to it, it's I, I feel the same way about it. My strategy changes depending on who I'm playing with. If I'm playing with a random, if I'm playing with a group of friends, if that group of friends is different, it changes depending on our dynamic, depending on what, what our, our players are sk- most skilled at. And it's sure. it's something that's unlike anything I've ever experienced in destiny before and it's really it's really stellar well i think the last thing the really the only big thing we haven't talked about is what a lot of the sort of marketing about the expansion before it came out was about which is the story um and i i think it's fair to say that like from your perspective that's it's not that it's not interesting but it's probably the least interesting thing about all of the things that have changed because of sort of year two and Forsaken. Do you want to just, um, without spoiling anything, talk about how that story has affected you, how well they've pulled it off? Sure. So, yeah, they went really hard in in the beginning of, of uh, Forsaken and throughout the entire thing. I mean, like, your your character is seen carrying the body of a well-known of Cade, the yeah, fan, the not, fan favorite character. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, they're not, they, they, they were very right. upfront about it. Yeah. That, it's on so. the box, right? Like that's, yeah. you see that when you load into the game, when, when you pull it up on PlayStation or on Battle.net or whatever, it's like, he's right there in your arms. Uh, they, they didn't really pull anything with that. And so I, I that kind of left a lot of players wanting, wondering what was going to happen. And, um, I, th- I think as far as the, the story goes, it's a, it's a good destiny story. It's, it's a good, like the missions are fun. The, the cutscenes are good. The story itself is, is interesting and it sets, it sets up the gameplay to be 
interesting, um, if that makes any sense. Or it, it sets you up to go into places that are interesting because of the story. It all feels connected in, in a pretty good way. Uh, except for, oddly enough, Gambit, <laughs> where the drifter just kind of shows up in the tower with no explanation. And all of a sudden, he's like wanting you and your friends to all go hang out and fight the darkness with him but also he says he's a bad guy and i don't know it's that whole thing is weird we're supposed to hear more about that when the joker's wild expansion comes out next year but for now it's very disjointed um but as far as like the Aldrin story and the barons and all that um that all everything they've shown is as expected kind of wrapped up in this neat little you know, six to eight hour package if, if you want to go, if you want to go slow. And that's fine, I think. But it, as far as I'm concerned, uh, they do a much better job of setting up the future stuff that is interesting through the story and through the campaign than Destiny 2 ever did. Because you end you end Destiny 2 and, you know, spoilers for a year old game, but you, you end Defeat the Big Bad Guy and then the raid boss is some random cabal emperor that you know if you yeah. if you really delve into the lore for it he's not totally random but he's there's absolutely no tie in between the main story and the raid and that is looks to be very much not the case uh with this um everything is kind of the the story itself is very personal which is good it's good it's something that we haven't really had in destiny before uh, but because you're kind of going and avenging this fan favorite character, it is is a very intimate journey with you and your your few allies, and then it kind of um, opens up at the end where you you feel like one side, the bad side, had a goal, had a mission, and that Cade was collateral in that mission, yeah, which got you involved, and now you're walking into something that you think is a simple revenge plot. And then kind of opens up into something that has much wider um, galactic implication, which is is good. It's a good setup for a story. It's a good, interesting way to start year two. And certainly I think we have a lot more. Um, the most interesting lore thing at the end of Destiny 2 was the, the end credit scene, <laughs> like like a Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where it shows it where it shows the the pyramid ships, which there's not anything necessarily wrong with that. But when you want to have a game that is interesting for months in the future yeah. there wasn't really any setup for that whereas now it feels like everything you know only a couple days in of course no raid yet but everything is kind of wide open and interesting and we're we're going in in a very interesting direction and for people who are interested the new triumph thing that i spoke about earlier has a lot of lore in it and you can actually go read like read books so as you as you complete like triumphs for the gambit like I'm, in, I'm slowly unlocking a book about the Drifter, so I guess then I could find out why he's just randomly in the tower. Sure, but I mean, it would be nice if somebody would be like, "What the hell is this weird dude with this jacket doing here?" Like right. that would be great in game, but it, you know, it, there's always going to be a, a thing in Destiny of should the lore be an in game or not, and that's, that's a similar problem with with World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story that they tell in Forsaken is absolutely perfectly serviceable which I realize is the most bland. <laughs> it's not exactly. It's not like it's a not ton of praise. a ton of praise, but it's it's like, you know, the way the way that I look at it is I know like as a Destiny player who is interested, it's kind of like talking about the leveling experience and wow, of being like, man, the story is pretty good, 
but at some point it's something you play once, which is why they're they're kind of yeah. moving away from it in the annual pass. But as someone who like I got my uh my sixty five year old father into Destiny and he loves Destiny. Okay. And it's like all he plays and he plays the story missions and I've dragged him through a raid and that went surprisingly well. Good. But he he plays the story missions all the time and that's like his primary engagement with destiny and so looking yeah. from from that perspective like we we come from the game at the game from two different very different places of i'm like i want to get i want to see what yeah. the story is and then i want to push way past it because i don't care whereas he's like i want to play through the story at my own pace and then maybe i'll dabble in some strikes here and there and then and then go play god of war <laughs> so from from that perspective i'm excited for him to go through the campaign because it is something that i think he will very much enjoy as someone who really loves the campaigns and destiny in simultaneously. I am nervous about the next year for him with there being no story missions in the annual pass. Whereas that's something that's very exciting to me. Yeah. Um, so from that perspective, like if you absolutely loved going through the campaign in destiny two, then I think you will like forsaken because it is a better campaign. Um, but ultimately that's kind of what I think I, I want to almost end on is this idea that they have put so many good moves toward the player base like me catering to to players that want to keep going in destiny don't want to stop they want to play it like an mmo they want to play it like like they play wow or something like that and you know say which bungie did a really impressive job in this of creating content that players can repeat uh which is something that even blizzard has struggled with if you know if blizzard can't keep up with constant creation content creation for for players out there creating a game for 14 years, how can we expect Bungie to create the content that, that players aren't going to gobble up? So they, wow has done has, has fixed that with repeatable content and blizzard or sorry. And Bungie has done mm-hmm. something very similar in, in forsaken, which is great. But I don't think that these changes are necessarily things that should scare away people who just jumped into destiny Two vanilla for a month and had a blast with it and then stepped away you know destiny 2 had was a huge success when it came out we reviewed it very favorably and i think smith was absolutely right and that review still holds up it wasn't until months later that we realized that there just wasn't much for players like me left in the game yep and and i think that bungie has figured out a way to make that experience remain for players that want to jump in for just a little bit go through the campaign Maybe see the raid once and then stop. And players like me have the option to do it, to to keep going and play as much as they want. And that's that's the goal. That's the dream. And we're only a couple days in. Yeah. And and three months from now, by the time Black Armory comes out, I could be like, man, what happened? Sure. But going into this, being trying to be very cognizant of that understanding and that where Destiny Two went wrong. It looks like they have done so much to fix that. And it, it, I was very blinded, like a lot of players were, at the beginning of Destiny 2, looking to the future and seeing, saying like, okay, well, I don't know how we're going to keep doing this, but right now it's really fun. That doesn't feel the same way in Forsaken. I feel like That's I nice. have stuff that I can be doing from for months now. Um, and I think Forsaken has kind of nailed what destiny and destiny two have I've always wanted to be, which is great games that are always fun to play, but have always had a problem in the content department. And so now for people who just want to 
engage with the with the gunplay and all that stuff, Bungie has figured out a way to actually make the content worth engaging with as well for as long as as people actually just want to go shoot stuff, uh, which is really, I mean, I, I couldn't be, I couldn't be more pleased with Forsaken at the moment. I, I was very excited for it, very hopeful. Everything they were saying sounded so good. Um, which as a Destiny player, we have learned, I, I have learned <laughs> to take with a massive grain of salt and fear. Yeah. And I, I couldn't be happier that it seems at least for now that they managed to pull it off. It, now we just have to hope that they don't do it, that we don't have to go through all this again with Destiny 3. Yep. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking, you know, half an hour or so away from Destiny to Forsaken to talk about destiny 2 forsaken i logged off so that i could come talk to you and i'm gonna log on when we're done. yeah yeah go ahead and do that okay thanks ryan thanks dave listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.